0: Welcome to the death of the org chart podcast with Jeffrey Demure, your guide to entrepreneurial freedom on today's episode, we will be exploring how to embrace change with post COVID pivots. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you enjoy the conversation. So here we are seven months, seven and a half months through the pandemic. And we've managed to figure out how to get our kids educated. We've managed to figure out how to keep our businesses open. We've managed how to communicate and connect, and what I have noticed is that a lot of it isn't pretty, right? We have we've kind of uh, scabbed some of these things together. We put these band-aids on on things. We've duct-taped different parts of our life in order to make things work up until this point, and that can really be exhausting. I, I mean. Uh, I'll do a favor for you. If you do a favor for me, I'll watch your kids for this day. You watch my kids for that day. And we've got all these other things that we're trying to introduce. And there's been a lot of grace. There's been a lot of acceptance in business for businesses that need to do whatever they need to do in order to stay in business because we're all rooting for each other out there. I just got to tell you, I'm rooting for you. I One of the reasons I do this is because I believe in your business. I believe in your vision. I just wanna help you get a finer point on what that means so that you can better optimize the things that represent the value in your business, in your industry to the people that that write checks to pay for what you do. That's my passion, is making sure that that happens. So I don't wanna be critical. We've all, we've all done what we needed to do in order to get to the place uh, that we are right now. And that place is, we're still in business. So what I, Want to encourage uh, you to think about is that it's not gonna be like this forever, that there's gonna have to be some growth in what we do. I am somewhat of a news junkie. I'm very, very discerning about the news that I let come into, uh, to, into my heart and into my head uh, because I think it can have a big impact on, on how we sort of think, right, and how we process stuff. So I look for trends, that's a big deal to me. I can tell you right now that if you work in an office environment, if you lead a group that does that, Uh, you are going to be working from home for a while. If you, like I do, look at some of the the larger uh, industries just down the road in San Francisco and San Jose, the majority of those businesses have said that we're not bringing our employees back in any regular, meaningful kind of way. We're going to encourage them to continue to work from home. We've had REI that just finished their corporate headquarters in Seattle and they sold the building. Uh, they they never even occupied it. So a lot of people have very quickly embraced this, this notion that things are different, things are disrupted. So there's a, a new way that we have to look at doing business. And that's what I wanna talk about a little bit today, is this new way of, of doing business. This disruption, this acceptance of things that have gotten to the point where you're your community out there, the people that we do business with and people we do business for, they've accepted a lot, but that won't go on forever. It just won't. I wish it could, but the COVID excuse for how we run our businesses and how we run our lives, it's going to come to an end, and I believe it's gonna come to an end uh, before the end of 2020. And so, as you plan the new year, I want us to think about the fact that there's things that we've done in this transition to getting our businesses to the next level, uh, to the next level of success, for us to be leaders that, that operate on a totally different level, accepting the things that we can't change, and working with the things that we do have um, at our disposal so that we can not wish what we had what we don't have, because that's probably not coming back. I'll tell you a little story. Um, most aircraft accidents are the result of one big thing, and if you've ever seen the movie Sully, uh, you'll, you'll see this, this was borne out even with that flight, the, the miracle on the Hudson. Um, this is the first thing that happens uh, during any really tough situation like your engine quits or, you know, something uh, is suddenly on fire. The first thing that happens is disbelief, right? Disbelief. This isn't really happening. And there's usually between 10 and 20 seconds that's lost. Um, in, the, in the disbelief, I don't believe this is really happening. And so it takes that, that long to kind of process. I would say that this period that we're in, the, the, the time to be in, in panic is, is kind of over, right? And accepting the fact that there's something that we can do, that we need to do, that will allow us to be successful. And that's where we are right now, folks. You know, that's the point at which our businesses are and our lives are is that this is the hand that we've been dealt. I heard Dan Sullivan say this once. It's not, the, it's not the, the card players that are the best at their craft are not the ones that get the best hand. They're the ones that can take what they've been given and they can do well with it. And that's kind of where we are now. So I'm gonna help you mine a little bit in your businesses and in your life so that you can kind of get over the fear, get over the panic. Uh, uh, embrace the change. I think that many entrepreneurs that are listening to this are what I would call what Kathy Colby calls a quick start. In other words, they get they get excited about a new idea, they can embrace it, and they can kind of move on. What you got to do is that you need to sort of purge your system of the things that have held you back up to this point. And there's several different things that, that you can do. You can talk to friends that are close to you. You can get it all out. If you're a verbal processor, you know that's what you need to do. You need to talk it to death. And then when you talk it to death, it's dead and then you can move on, right? So that's the first thing that you kind of have to do if you're a verbal processor. If you're not a verbal processor, if you're like my wife who is very much of an acts of service person, she has to work herself to the point where she is bone tired and then she's done. And she's like, okay, I'm ready to accept something else. And I think there's probably many entrepreneurs out there that are very much like that. They believe that the way to be successful is just to kind of work harder. We've done that for seven and a half months some of us more than others, some of us have embraced this notion of transformation, and we've moved on to some new model within our business, but those of us that haven't, I would encourage you to look at that, that wiring that you have so that you can kind of get it out of your system, right? Just kind of go, and then move on to, to what's next, okay? So let's just assume that you've done that, right? You've talked to your spouse, your counselor, your kids, your pastor, Whoever it is you process well with, uh, your colleague, and so, um, or you've you you know you've run three marathons right in the dark because you don't want to be around any other people because you don't want to get COVID cooties, but you've done it, you've worked you've worked it through. So here we are. You have what you have. All of us we we have what we have. We can't wish for something that we don't have. We can develop and bring into our lives things that that need to be there. But the first thing that we do is is to is to sort of identify those things. So I always start with this. If I love doing it and I get you know, good results doing it, if people tell me that it's magic when I do that thing that I do, um, then that's what I need to, to move towards. You know, uh, what, what could that be? Um, that could be the way that you assemble IT equipment. It's the way that your organization or the way that people within your organization, the way that they set up things for clients, even though it might not be your core business, the way that they do that, right? The things that they've been able to find, the the hacks and the shortcuts that they've been able to bring to their their clients, right? You love to do that. You have endless energy when you do that. Um, Then can you turn that into a business model? You can turn that into part of your business model because you love it, People have demonstrated that they're willing to pay for it and that you have energy within your organization to do it. So that's, you know, one example in my organization uh, as an architect and a planner and, and a a creative, that's sort of what we do. I mean, people ask us what we do. Uh, I, I tell them that we're in the faith business. Faith is the belief in things not yet seen and what we do you haven't seen yet. So you have to have faith that we've done it. We do things for people when the alignment is right. We, we, allow ourselves to not be commoditized. There is a myriad of fine architectural firms out there, and most of them say the same thing, we don't. We don't say different things about who we are to be different, it's because that's really who we are. If you want something that, we get projects that have deals that have a lot of hair on them, they, they take a lot to figure out, and we have this ability to kind of look into the, the near future, we're, we're very connected with who the buyers are, those are our clients' constituents. Those are the people that write checks for them and pay them for what they do. And let me just use the home building industry as a corollary for this thing that we're going through right now. Because that sort of three month, uh, those, that three, two month period that I, that I shared with you, you could look at the home building industry and it was very much like that. I think there's probably been some other industries that have been like that. The overnight package delivery system and, and the ability to um, provide logistics, that that two month period was probably more like a two day period. Right. And before people figured out that they need some essentials um, like bathroom tissue. And and I got to tell you that we bought some bathroom tissue during the the depths of the first month of the pandemic. And um, you can read a newspaper through it. I mean, it it is uh, it's remarkable. My dad had a saying about this stuff. If it was any thinner, it would only have one side. I mean, it's just amazing. But they got it out there, they put it out there, and I guess we're glad to have it on our shelves. So look at the home building industry, right? You've got uh, the first two months, and it absolutely cratered. Nobody was going out. Nobody, how do you show houses? The industry was set up for being there, right? I mean, it was like, for those of us that, um, and I was just a small child during this presidential election, but when Ross Perot was running for president, I remember, you know, all right, now look at here and it say it's one time, one time only. This is a real mess. We got to kick this thing over, we got to open the hood, we got to figure it out because it's a mess, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you one time, one time only, we got a real mess here. So that's the way that it was. So in this, in this first two months, people didn't want to go out. The home building industry is like, what are we going to do? Our, our way of, of showing what we do is that we tour built homes, right? we invite people to come to the communities that we've built and experience all this cool stuff. And people are like, I am so freaked out now. I am not going anywhere. Okay. I'm like not going out of my house. I'm not going to the porch. I'm going nowhere. And at the same time, you've got all these external constraints in, in cities, urban areas, suburbs, places where people live. And they're saying, I don't really like where I am. I mean, particularly in cities. I don't wanna go to the elevator because I don't know who's touched the buttons that I'm gonna have to touch in order to get where I need to be. The people have their dogs, their cats, their kids, and how do you bring them outside to get some fresh air if you don't even have a balcony, right? So um, as a result, people were willing to say, and this was an example of a disruptor, people were willing to say, boy, things are different, I can't, I I can't go out and look at a home, but I know how to use a computer. I know how to do a search. I know how to look for a new town that, that uh, I might want to live in. Um, my boss has said we're going to be working from home for a while and I'm not really thrilled with how things are going in the city. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, uh, uh, things are going to be this way. But paying, you know, I, I, I just read, a, um, uh, I just read a, a, a statistic that in San Francisco, um, the price of a one-bedroom apartment, for the first time since 2014, went below $2,800 a square a month. It was $2,800 a month for an 800 or for a one-bedroom um, uh, apartment in San Francisco. The price is $2,800 a month. The first time it's gone below $3,000 a month in a really long time. That drop in six months represents a 20 percent drop in the price of an apartment in San Francisco. And that's been repeated in Seattle and in New York and in Portland, in Los Angeles and in urbanized parts of, uh, of San Diego uh, because people are are leaving. Right. So you have this first two month period. So home builder, or uh, homebuyers, um, apartment dwellers mostly are saying, I got to get out of here. I want to make a change in my life anyway, and I'm paying a premium to live in this city. I have no idea when the cultural amenities that I pay for in order to be part of the city, when they're going to go, when they're going to be brought back online because they they have gone away. I mean, we're closing parks, right? So the home building industry, uh, after the first two months in um, May, June, sales have taken off year over year in the United States. Over the last 10 years we do about 750,000 new home sales um, this year we will do about 1.3 million new home sales and the only reason we're not doing more is because we can't build them any faster okay so uh home builders are scrambling in order to get homes built right they need to have new new homes designed that's what we do new communities that's what we do they're so busy they can't return our calls they are stretched so thin and it's it's a it's what I call an elegant headache, right? It's a headache, right? But it's a headache as a result of, of good things happening in general. I can tell you right now, there's people in the home building industry, in the construction industry in general, and they're working you know, 10, 12 hours a day, five and a half days a week, right? And so what does this mean to what I'm talking about relative to disruption? Do you really think that most of these, these home builders are gonna have time to say, we need to figure out what's next? And that's where we come in right that's what we do we love to talk about because we understand because we track where the consumers are and what the home buyers expectations are what their fears are what their expectations are and right now many of the homes that are being built are not what i would call post pandemic solutions they're not post pandemic proof right they're pandemic proof right it's like you want basic shelter you want a home that has the amenities that everybody wanted uh, prior to um, March of 2020, we got that. And right now, people are, they're, they're more than willing to embrace that because they just want, they're afraid. They're they are fleeing the city. They're fleeing their apartment buildings. They want to get out to um, less dense areas. And that's where people are moving. They're gravitating towards. And guess what? That's where most home builders in America, that's what they do. They build, in suburbs and create new suburbs, right? So we've got this this what I would say this setup for what I think is going to happen, and I think this can be extrapolated to many other businesses that are out there. There's this this new way of looking at how your business will emerge as we come um, into the reality that the the pandemic mindset and the working from home phenomenon and the uh, leaving cities, major dense urban areas that that'll continue to kind of go and, and leach out for a while. I think the first wave is out there. There's, there will be a second wave. and I suspect it'll be uh, at the end of, of 2020, the be- beginning of, of 2021. Why? Because there's a, uh, an election that, that we're going election season that, that we're in right now that we're going to go through. Many people will, not believe that the candidate that they want will be in office, and that as a result, what um, regardless of which side of of the argument or um, the uh, debate that you're on, um, but these are this will be a catalyst for people making the second wave of decisions as we move into uh, 2021. So preparing your business, preparing your mindset uh, for what uh, has to happen uh, next, I think is um, is tremendously important thank you for joining us for the death to the org chart podcast with jeffrey demure be sure to subscribe on facebook itunes youtube and anywhere you listen to podcasts to get more information about jeff or to order your copy of the book death to the org chart go to dttoc.com go create the freedom you were meant for